All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Privacy Please. I'm your host, Cameron Ivey, and with me is my wonderful co-host, Mr. Gabe Gums. Gabe, what's going on? Hey, 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 good afternoon, Cam. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, so this episode is special. We're going to wrap up around RSA conference. It was for February 24th to the 27th. It was the 29th annual RSA conference. Uh, it was held at the Moscow Center and it was in San Francisco, California, as usual. A group of 36,000 attendees uh, descended onto the center to explore the human element within dozens of sessions held by 704 speakers and the booths of 658 exhibitors. Spirion attended with the intention to gather information, obtain leads, and announce new products to the cybersecurity landscape. So it was a pretty neat. Conference was uh, really fun, and we're just going to kind of wrap up and touch on some, some big key points there. Um, so the first one for you, Gabe, is let's talk about market trends um, okay. and what we observe. So let's go on to the homomorphic encryption and other differential privacy controls and kind of touch on that a little bit more. It's a big mouthful. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm an old, I'm an old crusty RSA veteran. I think this was, well, I'm not going to say the very first one I went to, but Suffice to say, it was several presidents ago. I believe this was your first one, though. It yeah? was my first one. I'm a newbie. Yeah. How'd you enjoy it? It was fun. A um, lot of lot of infosec people. A uh, lot of people from overseas. Um, I just thought it was a great exposure to the atmosphere around data security, and I, I wish I would have been able to see more, or actually at all see any speakers or hear any any uh, conferences. I, I wasn't able to. To actually do that, I was too busy. Yeah, no, I hear you there. I, I was able to take in a couple of talks myself, um, maybe a little under a dozen. So they were they were pretty good. Um, yeah, you seemed pretty busy. You were being pulled left and right. Pretty busy. Yeah, it's always it's always a crazy show. There were there were you know meetings and and press interviews and all, all kinds of shenanigans. You name so, it, but it was good. So yeah, anybody knowing that IBM and I think. Uh, a couple other large companies pulled out. Uh, it was still extremely crowded and busy. So, yeah, way to way to way to miss it if you weren't there. No, I hear you there. But here we are. We're going to give a wrap up for the folks that couldn't make it, and we'll also post some additional information on the blog. Yep. I'm sure about that. But your first question. So you mentioned you mentioned homomorphic encryption is as kind of a trend that we did observe there yes. while we were at this show. Yeah, one of the things that that seemed to uh, kind of be um, echoing across the, the the show floor as well as you know in some of the talks, not just homomorphic encryption, but you know other differential privacy controls. Um, those those things really were I, I don't want to say front and center, but they certainly made an impression on me during the show. And you know I'm not sure how much of that was just due to the overall theme of the human element, which would make sense. Um, a number of these types of controls are geared towards they're geared towards you know protecting the privacy of organizations. Right. Um, and uh, in, in particular, you look at homomorphic encryption, you look at format preserving uh, hashing and those things. So stuff like you know, data really, masking and, and tokenization. Yeah, yeah okay. so exactly. Data masking and tokenization, those were some of the more traditional um, downstream controls You know that, that one might apply to, to data sets of this type. Um, 
But what we are seeing now are more controls that are kind of aimed towards helping organizations preserve the usefulness of that data while protecting the privacy of individuals. So um, I, I think we're going to see quite a bit more of, of those types of technologies uh, in the marketplace in general. Um, what, what I would call or I think what the, the market in, in particular would call, uh, you know, kind of the privacy tools, privacy solutions, um, privacy technology, if yeah. you would. In fact, minor squirrel moment, because um, I'm always a big fan of going to the innovation sandbox. Um, there was a there was a privacy uh, solution that won that this year. So um, privacy was all over the place at, at RSA. Yeah, it seemed to be. I mean, that was that should have been the topic of RSA. <laughs> I mean, but was it not? Yeah. I mean, the theme was the human element. And ultimately, what we talk about all the time in this show, when we talk about privacy, we're talking about the human element. We're talking about protecting the privacy of people, not protecting the data of, you know, companies, some random company here and there. I mean, of course, those things are important. It's certainly important to those organizations. But the privacy of the individuals that are affected by by these things, that's that's that real human element. Yeah, that's great. And you know what? It's, I probably should back up and, and you know, maybe define a couple of terms because I bad habit of doing That'd this. Be so helpful. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I threw out differential privacy. So, like, what is differential privacy even? Um, you know, strictly defined, it's it's a system for sharing information about a data set by simply describing the patterns in the data set without giving away more details about that data set. Right. So, a good way to think about this is if you take the healthcare industry, for example, they share a lot of data sets openly with the public and with other u- universities or, or or with other government entities for the purpose of, of doing, you know, healthcare research. Right. And in order to do that healthcare research and still, you know, preserve your privacy, they have to remove the identify the individuals from those things. And so differential privacy offers systems and, and tools for being able to do exactly that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so let's move on to the uh, next bullet point. So the number of vendors labeling themselves as data loss prevention tools, so that's DLP, is down over previous years. Only 64 of the 658 exhibitors labeled themselves as a DLP product. Let's dive into that a little bit. That That is an interesting market trend that, that we did observe, right? So what does that mean? Some 10%, only 10% of the middle, 10% is a... I call that a fair number. Um, is this one of those things where, you know, the trend of, of DLP was hot, so everyone was jumping on that wagon, yeah. and uh, and now they're kind of jumping off of it because, you know, there there were some missed expectations around that. Um, here's what I'll say about that. Again, you know, when, when it comes to that, that human element, I, I don't, I believe that focus is shifting strictly from just protecting data from escaping an organization, again, still, still a priority. Yeah. But there's a very big difference between, you know, that data security element and that data privacy element. And uh, and DLPs in their current incarnation aren't really designed, strictly speaking, or even, you know, explicitly speaking, for preventing the loss of privacy. Right. And I'm, I'm drawing a line between, you know, data loss versus privacy loss, right? Like one of those things is my organ- the organization that I trusted with my data uh, they didn't protect it, and so uh, some either malicious, intentionally malicious, or or accidentally malicious uh, actor got their hands on it. Versus, you know, a, a privacy incident, a privacy breach where I didn't consent to my information, <clears throat> excuse me, being shared with another organization. Mm-hmm. 
today's DLPs just aren't really designed for that. And so is it is it surprising that the trend of folks kind of throwing that term around um, isn't there any longer? I, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not personally surprised by that. So you're saying it's, it's more on purpose more than ever because, I mean, there's more, basically from what this is saying, there's more DLP products that were there. They just didn't deem themselves as solely a DLP. Or the DLP products that were calling themselves DLP products maybe really weren't. And now they're kind of backing <laughs> off that. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not really, yeah, like I, I don't really want to offer, you know, some, some like prophetic statement on that. I, I, again, for me, the thing that really stood out there was it doesn't address privacy yeah. and they're not uh, kind of aligning themselves with, with protecting privacy uh, when, when they, they can't from that perspective. So yeah, just an interesting observation. No, it's super interesting. I mean, obviously you know, being, uh, you've gone 20 years now. I mean, what seems to be, I mean, did you ever see a DLP? Like, did you ever see this kind of thing becoming such a, I don't know, low commodity? Like it just becomes something that people just kind of wean off of. And is that just how it works over these 20 years? Is that the trends kind of cycle up and down? I mean, what have, what have you normally yeah. seen? You nailed it. It's an ebb and flow of these of, of these things yeah. as as both the business concerns ebb and flow and the, the the regulation landscape ebbs and flow. You know, vendors attempt to solve problems for their customers um, where where they they see their customers struggling with things and and the, the struggle certainly with data loss hasn't gone away. But uh, there's an in- increased focus. It, it's the entire reason we have these conversations weekly yeah. around privacy. Yeah, there's certainly an increased focus around you know, this topic and and people in particular. Um, you know, I'll just keep saying it since it is an RSA wrap up show. That, <laughs> that human element, that human element, isn't talking about um, you know random data files getting out or, or data in general. It's, it's we're really focused on people. Yeah, that's a good point. And and I mentioned earlier there was, I think, seven hundred plus speakers uh, at this show, and I think you were you part of um, at least one of those. I was not. Um, our our good friend Scott Giordano, shout out to Scott Giordano. Shameless plug. Um, there it is. Uh, <laughs> so Scott Giordano was actually, and, and I, I think his his talk is available um, online to, to to kind of review. He did he did uh, some some speaking on the topics of privacy and, and specifically from his purview. Yeah, right. from CCP. He is he is a privacy lawyer, so he did uh, he did a fair bit of education on those topics. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Scott's on the road today, even he's in Atlanta, educating some more folks on that topic as well, too. So I didn't give any talks this year. Okay, I thought you did. Um, I, uh, no, <clears throat> I, I, I don't even know if I submitted to RSA this year. Although, <laughs> shameless plug time, I, I am speaking at the end of this month down at InfoSec World uh, in Orlando. So I'll be there talking. Oh, my uh, hometown. Coincidentally, not about privacy at all. I'm actually talking about some some other uh, some other security trends that are fairly unrelated. We're going to be digging into to the exfiltration problem a bit. We're going to touch on privacy, though. But uh, that talk in particular is slightly different. Tech. Okay. Very cool. Um, all right. So let's move on to the, the themes, the overall conference themes. Um, so I got a few here. So of the 658 exhibitors, 106 self-identified as privacy organizations. Let's touch on that. Yeah, that that feels like the opposite side of the coin from the number of people calling themselves yeah. DLP. <laughs> and the number of people, right? There's a flip flop <laughs> there. 
and it, maybe maybe what that recognized that maybe what they're recognized is hey we maybe we are solving for these problems right. um i well what i can tell you is there certainly was a massive uptick in the number of folks that are are aligning themselves with that problem and uh and trying to solve for it in any number of ways there's there's so many different ways that this problem needs to be addressed mm-hmm. um you know, fundamentally, you know, we, we have some beliefs around where one begins with that. Um, some of our past guests have talked about these things, right? Uh, if you take, again, love the innovation sandbox there every year. If you take last year's winner, they were a, an inventory solution, right? They, they were a technology inventory okay. solution. The, the basis of many of the things that we do when it comes to protecting information, protecting privacy, does really start with just inventorying things, finding it, understanding it, and so forth. Um, and so, yeah, the, the flip side of that coin, 106 um, organizations were, were talking about uh, privacy and identifying as, as privacy organizations. It was, again, from, from an overall you know, reoccurring theme in the conference, that, that wasn't lost on. And that's smart. That was a smart move on their, on their part. <laughs> I mean, hopefully they, they're, they're genuinely a, right. a, attacking this problem. We need, right. we, need more people, we need more people in the Army trying to solve for this. So I'm, I'm not offended by that. Yeah. And I think uh, we're going to have a future episode with a special someone that I'm not going to mention yet, but it, it actually talks, we're, we're going to dive into, you know, there's all these compliance laws and everything like that, but, you know, laws are lagging. And the bigger thing is building a community with our, you know, our leaders in InfoSec and guiding um, tech around data privacy. And there's a lot of companies in tech that don't know how to solve for privacy. And that's going to be a huge topic we're going to talk about. And I think that uh, that's going to be a, a really cool episode. But that, that's also a big point just to bring up that, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that want to dive into this this realm. And like you said, I, hopefully that those companies are doing it for the right reasons. But um, I don't know. I don't know if they truly are, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it is what yep. it is. Um, so, yeah, you got a what, what's that line? Um, eat or be eaten, or I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't know. You get it. One you of those it, things. Yeah. Um, so, in the past few years, machine learning was the hot topic, um, at least from your perspective, because you've been there for like fifty years now, or something like that. Is that still a thing? And and what problems is it solving? Are are they introducing new ones? Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. So here's what I'll say about that overall trend. Um, I, I we're, we still saw a large number of organizations introducing machine learning capabilities to the market. Right. Uh, you know, we, we equally have examined how ML can help solve some of these problems and have introduced that ourselves. I don't see kind of the big fever pitch around ML as there was, which I happen to think is a good thing, right? I think I think there was this big marketing push by everyone to say, you know, like, hey, we we do something around machine learning because it was kind of hot and buzzwordy. But, you know, machine learning is only really good when when it's applied properly, yeah. when it's solving a problem. Um, and the inverse side to that coin is, A, machine learning isn't the end-all be-all to to our solving problems, but B, it, it can and does introduce some problems of, of its own, right? Like AI systems can propagate non-desirable behavior and bias at scale. Yes. That's that's just a fact, right? So, you know, there are uh, algorithms don't, algorithms aren't humans, Look back to that human <laughs> element. And uh, as well-intentioned as they can be, they certainly can, they, they can execute things poorly. And here's a good example of that. So 
there are there are commercial software packages out there that are currently in use by you know U.S. judges um, to help predict you know likely recidivism rates. Um, and while that may be helpful in terms of kind of leveling the overall playing field when it comes to say you know properly applying justice, if those algorithms and those models are biased based on the data that they're trained on, then the outcomes will equally have that similar effect. And so while I happen to be a a, a fan of machine learning, I am a very cautious and optimistic fan. I I am happy to see less of the big rah-rah, ML is going to solve all your problems. And what I am hopeful for is that we will see more responsible ethical use of algorithms, um, of machine learning algorithms going forward. I didn't see a whole lot of talk around that in particular, uh, but the fact that the pendulum is swinging away from everyone just making this claim of it solving their problems um, is I, I'm I'm in favor of that. I'm I'm highly in favor of that. Uh, you know, another good example, you know, Facebook. Not to pick on them, but you know, they they are they did it they're relevant enough to this topic, right? They, they conducted some psychological experiments into user emotions and evaluating the influence of users' mm-hmm. emotion, emotional state, um, you know, by manipulating news feeds, right, of almost a million people. Yeah. And uh, and they were kind of unprepared for the overall negative reactions that they were going to get, you know, just in terms of the press yeah. um, and, and how that helps set guidelines for future research. You know, I can promise you this. As we see privacy regulations evolve, it is inevitable that privacy regulations will equally evolve and adapt to then addressing the biases that can be introduced by ML. We might be some number of years off from that, but we're certainly well within well within your and I time frames for seeing those things. Awesome. Well, um, another question here. Uh, so this year's conference was about the human element. We've talked about it many times on this. How did you see the, the human element theme represented at the conference? Uh, there were a number of ways it certainly was on display. I think most of the the talk tracks were well geared towards uh, staying sticking with that theme. But if I think about the technology side of this as well, there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of solutions that were introducing had introduced and or kind of stepped up their games in the the orchestration and automation space. And as someone who has a bit of a religious slant on whether or not we have an actual people shortage problem in the data security space, I, I, I was kind of happy to see that instead of everyone thinking or, or orienting ourselves around, we need more people, there aren't more people, we, we, need, we need systems that operate better for us. And we certainly need to automate and orchestrate more of what these systems do. Not to be confused with simply, again, applying ML to things, but there were and still are a number of repetitive and routine tasks, not just in the identif- identification of issues, um, but equally in the, the, the analyzing and the solving of those things. So that, that was well on display at the conference as well. Everyone recognizing to some degree that orchestration and automation, while not our savior, certainly is useful in in uh, in helping us solve those problems. And so what we saw were not just like the SOAR vendors doing this, the SIM and SOAR vendors, right? But but we saw technology across the entire stack um, introducing more automation orchestration capabilities. So again, big big fan I am of those things. Awesome. 
Well, um, <clears throat> so just to kind of wrap things up, what uh, what's the biggest takeaway from the conference and the trip in general, from your perspective, what's the best thing or the most exciting thing that you got to see that was different from these 20 past years that you've been? Oh, that's a tough question to answer. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, my number one takeaway was, was happy that the number of people that did make it to the show made it. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, you know, we're, we're obviously in the middle of a, of a little bit of a, of a crisis, if you would, across the world. Don't with say regards it. To, Don't say it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I, I got to recognize it. I mean, we certainly can't pretend like it's not a thing. Right. But, you know, right. So, you know, we, we, we've got a bit of a, a virus, you know, moving its way around the world. It's causing a lot of panic. And, and it was good to see uh, the community come out and, and, uh, and still share its thoughts and its knowledge with, with everyone else. Um, there were, as you mentioned, there were some organizations that, that took the safety precautions and, and chose, chose to, uh, to make sure that they, they weren't, uh, they, they weren't part of, of any, of anything catastrophic, which I might take away again. I'm, I'm just happy to see that, that the people that showed up that, uh, best we can tell at this point, everyone, everyone has made it home safe yeah. and healthy and, and from that perspective. Um, and things that excite me that, that this year's theme was the human element and that privacy was on such huge display. Yeah. Huge display is, is very, very uh, emboldening for me. So that, that was, that was very positive. I appreciated that. Awesome. And do you have any, um, I know you had some interviews, um, weren't, there weren't any speaking points, but you had some interviews. Uh, is there anywhere that uh, people can listen to those? Do you have any sources that you want to shout out? Oh. Man, there, there 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 were a few indeed. Uh, definitely a special thank you to, to to Paul over at Security Weekly for having me on the show. Um, I love I love sitting and chat with that team. Uh, the list is was fairly long this year. Okay, I, I, I made we can put it in the notes. More. Yeah, we should probably just po- let, let's post them up on on the uh, on the follow up blog to this. Uh, there, there were a few though. Um, I sat in on a couple p- panels. Sat with Paul and his team. Uh, Joe Pettit and, and, and the crew over at Tripwire and I had a great conversation. Um, we had uh, we met with we met with Chris from uh, from Cisco yep, also. Absolutely. We're going to post that one as well. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a great show. Every year, it's always a really good opportunity for me to equally catch up with with my colleagues and peers in the industry. So um, yeah, we, we should let's post those links of some of the other activities. And the other the other speaking engagements that that uh, that we participated in definitely got to get Scott Giordano's talk uh, up there as well. I think folks will be really interested. It was extremely informative. Um, very very Scott's Scott's super entertaining for a lawyer. I got to oh, tell yeah. you, I don't think most people see that coming. But he's 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 witty and ridiculously informative. <laughs> he is because yeah. uh, I mean you know sometimes lawyer talk can be a little dry, but at the same time he's got a great personality uh, to go with it. So. Yeah, we'll post all of that. Awesome. So um, thank you guys for listening. Please uh, share, subscribe. Uh, We're on iTunes, Spotify, and uh, look out for next week's episode. We have our interview with Chris Leach from Cisco. He is the CISO advisor. That's a great, great discussion that we had with him. Hope you guys are enjoying the content. If you have any questions, you can always email us. Uh, You can email me at cameron.ivy at spirion.com and Gabe is gabe.gums at spirion.com so thanks again guys and i really appreciate your time gabe oh thank you thanks again for tuning in to privacy please this podcast is brought to you by spirion protecting what matters most 
Join us next week and every week as we delve into the intriguing world of security and privacy. You can email us at privacyplease at spirion.com and hit us up on our Twitter at privacyplspod. If you want to read more into these topics, check out our blogs on spirion.com. Again, I'm Cameron Ivey, an all-around decent guy. Until next time.